0: welcome to the exchange church podcast for more information on the exchange church go to iamtheexchange.com have you ever listened to a song and thought to yourself man that would preach we did too the following series is entitled bible in the billboards today's message is by our lead pastor jared brooks I was thinking about how awesome of a day today is. One, it's our anniversary of uh, being at the exchange. Our launch was one year ago today. So today is our anniversary. Number two, it is my birthday. It used to be a lot more exciting back in the days. It's not as exciting now, but I was uh, we were at home this weekend, and somebody put on my doorstep a uh, box of Nike tennis shoes. And uh, Jennica came to the door, and she said, somebody put something on the doorstep. And I said, well, what is it? It's a box. Didn't have a name. Didn't have uh, uh, anything. And it, are, it was these Nikes right here. And they say Cowboys. You like that? Huh? Cowboys. That'll go with my five rings, and uh, I left one of the rings in my office because they they jingle when I wear them all the time. When I I go shopping, like I played for them or something, <laughs> I just walk around the mall with five rings, big rings on my fingers. But you know, I was thinking about today, and and today also is a special day because it's kickoff. I mean, I know Thursday was they had a game Thursday, kinda, if you want to call it that or whatever. But but today your team and my teams begin to play. And that's exciting, right? I mean, there's nothing like I mean last last season, you know, when the football season is over, I'm down. I'm down. And and then as the draft comes around at the at the end of the year, I get excited and then I get down a little bit, and then when when spring training comes around and, and fall, uh, mini camps start coming. It gets exciting. And so it's football season. And today's football season. And I was telling Shelly, all I want for my birthday is the Cowboys to win. That's all I want. That's really, really what I want, to win, I want for my birthday. So I am believing that that's going to happen. Hey, I'm going to believe for your team to win too also. Amen? Amen? Okay, both of you. Fine. The rest of you, whatever. But, uh, but some of our teams, we're going to win. Um, but since it's my birthday, I was thinking about, have you ever got a bad birthday gift? Or a bad gift? Just a bad gift, you know? Just a bad gift and you don't really know how to respond, what to say? So what I want to do is I'm going to give you eight good responses to bad gifts, okay? That way you can practice and I'm going to try my best not to use any of these responses the rest of today. And uh, but number 8. This is what you these are some things you could say when there's a bad gift. Number 8. Well, well, well. Now that's a gift. You got to practice it with a smile on your face, you know what I'm saying? Wow, what a, that's a gift. Right? Okay. Number 7. Oh no, really? I didn't make I didn't know they made Chia Pet ties. And it's a clip-on, too. That's a terrible one. Number six. You know, I've always wanted one of these. Now jog my memory. What is it again? <laughs> Number five. You know what? I'm gonna find a special place for this. You say it with a big smile on your face, right? Number four. Boy. You don't see craftsmanship like that anymore. <laughs> number three. And it's such an interesting color. <laughs> number two. You say that was the last one? <laughs> I'm glad you snatched that baby up. <laughs> and, and the number one good answer for a bad gift is you shouldn't have. No, no really, you shouldn't have, no I swear, I swear, everything that's holy you shouldn't have, have, have. amen, we're going to have a great time today and we're going to get you out in time for kickoff so that we can enjoy the day with our, our friends and family, but have you ever just wanted to quit? You've just been in, in the middle, so we're going to continue today with our series of uh, Bible in the billboards. We've had some awesome songs. If you think you figured out my song today, write it down, text it in. You could text, you could write it on our Facebook page. In fact, go to our Facebook page and check in uh, today if you, if you can. Um, we have been, the month of September, we've been giving away meals. Every Facebook check-in goes towards meals Uh, for for students in Haiti and so we want you to check in today just say hey I'm glad to be a part of the exchange this check-in is buying a meal for a student in need we want you to do that also I wanted to say a huge shout out I don't see her but uh, Jennifer and Eddie have the entire complete family here the entire family here, baby Nora's here. she was here last week, and I was going to say something, but Pastor Eddie was out last week, so but uh, the entire family is here until there she is in the back. There's baby Nora, everybody wave at her. she's watching y'all. she's watching. she was wanting she told me, Pastor Jerry, you make sure you announce that I'm here and, uh, and, and so that's their last baby until this next pregnancy. They're going to have one more. And the next one's gonna be twins. And it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna celebrate. We're gonna celebrate with them. Pastor Eddie, he just wants more and more and more. And I'm like, slow down, buddy. Slow down. So we just speak life into their household. We do. This morning, we just speak life. We need a growing church. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I don't know sign language. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna stop, so. Anyway, but have you ever wanted to quit? You ever, you ever just been involved and, and doing something? Have you ever been in the middle of a football game or a basketball game and it was just going so bad, you just could not get off the field fast enough? I remember in high school, we there was a team that we played when we were young called Petersburg, and uh, Petersburg's shortest guy was about three or four inches taller than our tallest guy. And they played in, in, it was like a bread box gym, okay? The walls came all the way to the sideline, and then the bench for the players was like a cave. You you have to get inside the bench. You So the stands were literally on the gym, and we were playing these Amazon giant, giant men. I mean, we're like freshmen, sophomores, and they are grown men like their kids are in the stands like cheering for them like come on dad you got it he's like shut up come on Goliath you know it, it was bad and they would just pound and pound and pound us I didn't know the scoreboard could go so high and uh, but it, they, every time we played them it was just one of those games you just could not get off the court fast enough. but have you ever just wanted to quit life Life, it just gets miserable. It just gets tough, you know. And then you look across the room and you see Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. They've got everything going for them. They've never had to miss an electric bill uh, just to make ends meet. And they buy whatever they want, whenever they want, and it's just frustrating. And you just feel like everything in your life is falling apart and it couldn't get worse. Well, even the best of people... And the best of times go through some difficult situations. Some ugly places. And we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, not quitting and not giving up. And so if you would stand with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Kings chapter number 17. We're going to read it on the Sky Bible so you can follow along. But it says this. We're going to start with verse number 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. Said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Carith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Carith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you just allow this word to minister to us, God. Lord, I pray that this morning we have a fresh revelation. God, that we have a, a fresh new word that you're, that you're trying to, to display in our lives, God, that it will become alive to us. We just give you praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Can you imagine having that kind of relationship with God? That He empowers you to go and speak to the king of a nation, a, the King of people, and He says, Hey, as 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 I'm living in front of you, so help me. It will not rain. There won't even be dew on the ground until I say so. Wow, can you imagine how powerful that must be? To be able to say that, I mean be like going up to Obama. And the White House and saying, listen, it will not rain in the United States of America until I say it's going to rain. You got it? Can you, that, I, Houston, we went through a drought three, four years ago. We went through this season, man, it, and it got bad. Trees were dying like crazy. And I never thought we would go through a drought down here, but we did. And it just got awful. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a, a drought over the whole land just everything dying, everything drying up. And that's what happened. Elijah, he goes to Ahab and he says, look, it's not going to rain anymore. It's not going to rain for several years until I say that it's going to rain. That's a lot of power. I think I would abuse that kind of power. Right? Come on, be honest. If you if you knew you kind of had that relationship, wouldn't you say things like that? Like Like, you know, not, not to pick on Jay, but I would say things like, you know, as long as I, as long as I, until I say so, the Patriots won't win another Super Bowl. Right? Because that would be a lot of power if you could do that and say that. Uh, I wouldn't do that because I really, I really like Jay. He's a good friend of mine. But I really would say for them not to win another Super Bowl. I would say as, as long as I live, let them go to the playoffs every year and just almost make it to the end. But Elijah speaks. He says there's not going to be any more rain. So he goes to this ravine, just like God told him to. And the Bible says that every day, ravens came by and they fed him. They gave him uh, bread and meat in the morning. They gave him bread and meat in the evening. And this just went on and on and on. But then the Bible goes on and it says that there came a time in verse number 7 that the brook dried up. Because there was no rain. And so... We pick it up right here in verse number 8. The, the brook dries up. In verse number 8 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. And he says, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her. And he says, Would you bring me a little water so that I may have a drink? And it was, as she was going to get it, he called Bring me a piece of bread, please. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour and a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Okay? So if we were putting this music to this, this would be the low point. Okay, this would be where everything just drops down Is this widow saying, I'm going to have my last meal because we're about to die because we're out of everything. We're out of everything. And he says, uh, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry. Until the day the Lord sends rain on this land. Wow. Wow. That's power. That's powerful. This is a powerful, powerful man of God. He's, he's talking to this widow lady who's at her very wit's end. She's at the very end of her rope. Okay? She's just ready to die. She's ready to give up. Life is over. She's run out of all the supplies that she has to feed her family. And, and then Elijah comes by and he says, whoa, 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 hold up. It's not as bad as you think. So I want you to go do this out of obedience. And as an act of your obedience, as you do this for me, then what God's going to do for you is he's going to supply every need that you have until the day the rain comes. And then you will be able to supply your own needs. So that's what Elijah's telling her. This is a powerful, powerful word. And it tells me right now that Elijah and God are like this. Right? They are like this. I mean, God speaks. Elijah listens. And Elijah obedient to the word of God. And he continues it. If you continue to read through the rest of the story, the Bible says that there comes a time when the son gets sick of this widow. And the Bible says that he gets sick And he gets really sick with this disease and he dies. So she goes to Elijah and she starts blaming Elijah. See, I knew this was going to happen. This was going to happen because you came into my house and, and now everything's falling apart because my son's dead. Elijah says, wait a minute. So Elijah takes the boy and the Bible says he takes him upstairs and he begins to pray over him. And he begins to ask God to breathe life back into this boy. So Elijah comes back downstairs and he hands her son back to the widow and he's alive. He's alive. Isn't that incredible? This is the first resurrection ever recorded in the Bible. The first person that ever came back to life. And who did God use? Elijah to bring and do something nobody had ever even seen done. I mean, he brings this little boy back to life. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful story. Elijah got to Elijah's gotta be feeling pretty good about his relationship with God. And then second and then Kings First Kings chapter 18. This is where it really gets powerful. And I've shared this story a lot. This is one of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible. Verse number 18, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain to the land. So Elijah went to go present himself to Ahab, okay? So now let me paraphrase, catch you up on this. We're not going to read through this whole chapter. But what happens is, they've gone three years with no rain. And I mean, it is bad. Everything in the land is dead. Everything is dying. So the Bible says that Ahab had this, one, one version calls him a governor. One version says that he was the overseer of, of Ahab's house. Either way, it was Obadiah. Okay. So Ahab goes to Obadiah, and he says, listen, Obadiah, I want you to gather a group of men, and you're going to head this direction, and you're going to look for grass, you're going to look for water, anything you can find so that we can feed our, our horses and some of our livestock so that we can keep something alive. And me and this group of men, we're going to head this direction and we're going to do the same thing. Now, then the Bible tells a little bit about Obadiah. Obadiah was a man, the Bible says, that feared God. Okay? So he loved the Lord. And the Bible says that when when Ahab started killing all these prophets of God... Obadiah took a hundred prophets and he hid 50 in one cave, 50 in another cave. So Obadiah is a man who who knows who God is and he fears God. So Obadiah, he takes off one direction. Ahab takes off the other direction and Obadiah runs into Elijah. Okay? The music, if we were making a movie, the music would change right here. It would get kind of like uh, suspenseful, you know. You'd see Ahab look down at at Elijah, they'd probably start walking slow. The dirt blowing behind them, his tunic <laughs> flopping, you know. He's walking, and, Le- and, and Elijah's walking towards him with this look in his eyes. Obadiah starts to get fear. The men with Obadiah freeze in their tracks. You know, the music's kind of getting intense, right? Obadiah and Elijah, they come in and, and contact with another, and, and Obadiah, Obadiah says, Elijah, is that you? Is that you, my Lord? Wow, I can't believe it's you. I can't believe it's you. Oh, my God, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. That's what Obadiah starts saying. He, and Elijah says, listen, listen. It's no big deal, bub. I got you, man. I got you. And, and Obadiah's telling him, you know I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I, I hid a hundred prophets of God. Okay? I love the Lord. Elijah's like, chill, it's okay. He says, listen, I want you to go tell Ahab uh, that I want to meet up with him. (laughs) No, 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 no. I can't go tell Ahab. That Ahab will kill me. We've been looking for you forever. Nobody can find you. We don't even know if you're still alive. And now you want me to go tell Ahab. I'm going to go tell Ahab. I'm going to go tell Ahab that you want to talk to him. And then the Spirit of God is going to pick you up and take you somewhere. And then I'm going to come back, and you're going to be gone, and, and Ahab's going to kill me. Oh, no, I'm not going to tell Ahab. I'm not going to go tell Ahab, because then I'm going to die. Okay, so this is what Obadiah is thinking. He's kind of panicking a little bit. But the Bible says that, that, that Elijah told him, he says, listen, don't worry about it. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to meet up. I'm going to have a meeting with Ahab. So you go tell Ahab that I want to meet with him. So Obadiah goes, and he tells Ahab, hey, I found Elijah. He wants to meet with you. So this is where I'm going to pick up and start reading. Verse number 17. This is when Ahab and Elijah come in contact. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Ooh. Obadiah was a trash talker. Hey, you got to give him some credit. This was way before they had MTV shows like Yo Mama, you know. So he didn't know any Yo Mama jokes like Yo Mama so fat. So... So Ahab didn't know what to say. He just walks up, he sees Elijah, and he's like, oh, you troubler of Israel. And Elijah's like, oh, burr. Elijah's posse is probably like, oh, burr. They're like, that's all you got, troubler of Israel? That's weak sauce. That is so weak. Anyway, so, so King Ahab, we do know that the Bible tells us he wasn't the best trash talker in the world. And Elijah, he responds, he said, I haven't made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and you've followed Baal's. Now, summon all the people from all over Israel, meet me on Mount Carmel and bring 450 prophets of Baal and bring 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And then this is the way I picture, when I read, when y'all read the Bible, do you just like, are y'all, are y'all very visual people? I'm a visual person, so when I'm reading something, I just imagine what it looks like. Like, I got a picture of what I think Elijah looks like. I got a picture of what I think King Ahab looks like. He's kind of dorky. Obviously, he ain't got any good comebacks. He's like, oh, well, you're the troubler of Israel. <laughs> I told you, trouble. You know, that's how I picture King Ahab, kind of a dorky guy. So... I picture, when I read this story right here, I picture Elijah turning to all his boys, you know, people around. And now Ahab's kind of with Elijah, you know. He's like, you know, I I support you. Elijah, he tells King Ahab, he says, I want you to go and you gather the prophets. You tell them, come here. And he looks at Obadiah and he says, it's about to go down. So Ahab, verse number 20, sent word throughout Israel, assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel, Elijah went to the, to the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. They just stared. The people obviously been sitting under Ahab too long. They ain't even got any comebacks. They're like, oh, that was a good one. He got us there. I don't know what to say, so go ahead. Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. So I want you to get two bulls, let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, let it cut into pieces, put it wood on the fire, and then prepare the bull. And, uh, and then I'm going to do the same thing. You call the name of your God, and then I'll call a name of our Lord. The one who answers by fire, he's God. And then all the prophets said, what you say is good. See, the terrible comebacks. What you say is good. We'll allow such a competition between the two of us. So they do that. So the, the Bible says that they go and they, they take these two bulls and the prophets of Baal, they do all their stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing this because I, I know some of you know the story. But, but they take this and they build this altar. And the Bible says they start to uh, call down fire. Okay. Now what's great, what's really to know is that Baal, the God that they serve, these prophets of Baal, Baal was the God of nature. Okay. Earth, wind, fire, that's the God that they serve. That's what Baal represented. So Elijah, he tells them, hey, we're going to have a competition, and the competition is going to favor you because it's actually something that your God, you know, fire, could produce. Earth, wind, fire, storms. He's the God of nature, Baal is. So he says, you go ahead and you do this. So the Bible says that they start, they start calling down fire. They start praying, and they got their altar all ready and the wood ready, and they start praying. Oh, come on, Baal. Whatever they do, they're bowing down. Nothing happens. So an hour goes by. Two hours go by. Finally, the Bible says Elijah starts mocking them. Okay? He starts mocking them. He says, where's your God? Where's your God? And Elijah says, and this is in the Bible, he says, maybe you should talk louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Or on vacation, right? And so he starts mocking these prophets. He's like, where's your God, huh? Maybe you should dance or do something bigger. So they're dancing. The Bible says eventually they started cutting themselves, okay? They started cutting themselves, begging this God, Baal, to come down and bring fire. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So Elijah, he steps up. And he says, okay, hold up. And he says, I want you to, I want you to, back, 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 back. And he rebuilds the altar. And the Bible says he took 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes. And he places these stones around the altar. And he puts the bowl on the altar. And then he says, now I want you to bring me four big jars of water. They do it. And he pours it all over the altar. And he does it three times. So there's 12 jars of water that they pour over this altar. And then the Bible says... That the time came for the sacrifice, verse number 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord and you are God and turning their hearts back again. And then fire fell It burned up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, burned up the stones, burned up the soil. And the Bible says it also licked up the water and the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then Elijah, he had all the prophets of Baal killed. He tells Ahab, he says, listen... I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It's about to go down. It's about to go down. He looks at Obadiah and he says, go tell your friends. It's about to go down. Y'all watch this. He tells Ahab, he says, you better go eat and drink because it's about to go down. So he goes up to the top of the mountain. He tells the servant, he says, I want you to go look. I want you to go look and tell me what you see. The servant comes back. Nothing. Seven times. On the seventh time, he comes back and I says, he says, I see a small cloud about the size of man's hand. And that's it. That's all I see. So Elijah, he goes to King Ahab and he says, listen, you better get in your chariot. You better hightail it into the city because it's about to come down. Okay? And he's telling you better get out of here. You better get out of here. So the Bible says that Ahab took off Elijah. he, He tucked up his tunic and he took off running and he beat Ahab into the city. What did Ahab do? He went to Jezebel. See, the music would really change right here. Now it would get eerie, creepy Jason music, you know, like the guy with the mask is around the corner with the knife and stuff. So he goes and he tells Jezebel what happened, and Jezebel sends a message to Elijah, and she says, Listen, by this time tomorrow, I will do to you what you did to the prophet's bell. You're dead. You're dead, sucker. Okay, you are dead. But see what King Ahab told Elijah, I mean Jezebel, was that Elijah came in, we had a meeting, he he wanted to meet with all the prophets, he had this competition, he called fire down from heaven, then he killed all the prophets, and then he went up to the mountain, and then he came down from the mountain, and rain came. I don't know what he did on the mountain, but that's what happened. That's all he told Jezebel. He didn't tell Jezebel, Elijah, he went and he met this widow. And, and, and he, he prayed this prayer and multiplied her cupboards. And she has all this. She's had food for years. He prayed over the widow and, and her widow's son and brought him back to life. He went and he, he lived at this, this brook forever. And, and he was fed by ravens. He didn't tell Jezebel all the, all the miracles that happened. Just a few of them. So Jezebel sends this word to Elijah that, hey, I'm going to kill you. Well. Elijah is this powerful man of God. Please. So we're going to pick up in verse number three. It says, Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a a broom brush or a tree. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under a tree and he fell asleep. He was begging to die. This has been been one of the stories in the Bible that has puzzled me my whole life. Because in my mind, I would like to believe that had God used me to do all the things that he used Elijah to do. If if I saw with my own eyes all the things that Elijah saw, there's no Jezebel in hell that would scare me. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that could stop me if I seen that with my own eyes. But even Elijah, even Elijah had a moment of weakness when he forgot the power and the grace of God that was on his life. Even Elijah got to a place where where the devil didn't die on top of Mount Carmel. The the battle had been won up there, but it wasn't over. He runs for his life. He's scared. He lays down. He falls asleep. He wakes up, and there's cake and a a jar of water. The Bible says he woke up, and he ate the cake, drank the water, and he went back to sleep. Pansy. Pansy. He was scared of all that trash talk Ahab was doing. He goes back to sleep, and then the Bible says in verse 7 the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Everybody say, second time. Second time. And touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up. Everybody say, He got up. He got up and he began to sing. up Uh, he got his bag got his jar the ravens begin to fly down behind him what it says it says in verse number eight so he got up and he drank ate and drank strengthened by the food he traveled for 40 days and nights until he reached horeb mountain of god and there he went into a cave and spent the night the lord tells him he says i want you to go and you're going to stand on this mountain and the lord's going to pass by you're going to you're going to feel god and the bible says this great wind came this giant wind but god wasn't in the wind and then an earthquake came. This big, giant earthquake came. But he wasn't in an earthquake. And then fire, fire came down. But the Bible says God wasn't in the fire. And then all of a sudden, there was a still, small voice. And God asked him, he says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you out here pouting? Why are you pouting that life is so tough and life is just falling apart and, and nothing works and everything's just going to, to pot?" What are you doing? Do you not understand that I see way, way past your your vision? What you think, what you think you know, I have a plan way beyond it. And he says, What are you doing? He says, I have brought you from victory from victory from victory from victory. And then you face one one amount of opposition. You face that opposition and you run crying like a little baby. He says, What are you doing? What are you doing? And he gives, he gives Elijah a plan. He says, here's what I want you to do. You're going to go and you're going to anoint Hazel as king over Syria. You're going to anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And you're going to anoint Elisha to take your place as a prophet. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Elijah, there are 7,000 people, Israelites, who have not bowed to Baal that I have reserved for this moment. Because, baby... It ain't over till it's over. See, you're going around preaching. I'm the only one left. Oh, I'm just going through hell. You don't even understand. And God says, listen, while you're whining and complaining, I've got 7,000 that I've reserved just for this moment because, baby, it ain't over until it's over. It's not over until I say it's over because my plan is bigger than your plan. You may be going through just a moment in life, but what you're going through, you've got to see way beyond the circumstances to this big giant plan because baby it ain't over till it's over come on look at your neighbor say it ain't over, it ain't over. till it's over god has a plan the bible says in romans eight thirty one. what then shall we say in response to these things if god is for us who can be against us See, when God is on your side, it doesn't matter what you're going through because his plan is always good. His plan for you is always good. It's always big and you always win. You may not feel like it. You may not see it and you may lose a few battles here and there. But the plan in the long run is always for you to win. God's plan is that his light will shine, that, that his, his name will be known so that you can be an example to all the people that God is real. Just like Elijah, he goes over and he prays his prayer. And he says, God, will you show these people? Will you let fire come down just to show all these people? I want to remind you that through all the relationships with God, you're going to have victory after victory after victory. But there's going to be times when things aren't going to work out. The answer to your solution is not to tuck tail and run. Go and hide. Now I'm mad at church. Now I'm mad at God. God, I, you, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm going through financial difficulties. I thought you're my provider. I thought you're my provider. God, I, I tithe faithfully, and now I can barely even make my bills. So now I can't even tithe. Where are you at, God? And we just all of a sudden start blaming God. God, why aren't we sick all the time? Why are my babies sick all the time? God, why did I lose my job? And we just blame God over and over and over. And we quit on God in the dark times. And we run and hide and we throw away this love that is so strong for us. Let me tell you something. The grace of God is bigger than anything you can imagine. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say, how you turn on God. The grace that God has for you is bigger than that. Amen? Will you just close your eyes for just a moment? You know, sometimes we don't realize that that's exactly what's happening. As the enemy comes in and and he beats on us and he he drags us down and and he makes us feel guilty, and and all of a sudden we we take on all the shame and and darkness and depression and we we just have all this guilt and we, we hide behind these masks and we're, we're afraid to let God come in but when God comes into the picture all He wants to do is remove all the masks all He wants to do is remove all the hurt remove all the pain remove all the guilt remove all the shame so this morning I want, I want us to close out and we're going to pray right now that for you I was praying this week and I was thinking about this message and I was praying over this message and this morning I was thinking about this message and there's there's someone in here specific and maybe there's one. But there's somebody here specific this morning that at, at one point in your life you just had a great relationship with God. You were, you were kind of like Elijah in the sense that man you knew who God was God was on your side and, and you were passionate but the enemy somehow he came in and, and he just began to weasel his way into your life and he started making you question some things you started, you started maybe looking at your, your marriage and it was starting to fall apart And so then you start looking at God going where are you you start looking at your relationship with your kids and maybe it was falling apart and you start going, God, where are you? Maybe your health started deteriorating and you started just going through a, a, a season of sickness. You started going, God, where are you? And, and and slowly you start to pull away, pull away from God. But let me let me be very, very clear and I need everyone to hear every word that I'm saying right now is that there is nothing, 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 nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. There is nothing, there is no distance that you can go that you can run and hide from the grace that God has over your life. I don't care if you put on one mask, 10 masks, 30 masks. I don't care what you've done and how long you've done it and who all you've done it with. There is a grace that God has for you this morning. And if you've said, God, I accept you into my life, then that grace, it hovers over you. It covers you. It protects you. You can live and you can thrive and you can flourish underneath the grace that God has for you. And so if, if that's who I'm talking to, you're here this morning and you've, you've kind of stepped away from the things of God because you've forgotten about this grace that God has for you. I'm reminding you right now that it ain't over till it's over. He's seen all the cheers you've cried. And he's saying this morning, baby, it ain't over till it's over. I see exactly where you're at. And I have never, never, ever been separated from you. Everything that you're going through, I've been right there. I've been lifting you up and I've been holding you. May not have felt me, but I was there. And then the second message is for maybe somebody here this morning that you haven't made that commitment. You haven't given God your life. Let me tell you something. When you give your life to God, you get all of God. And you get all the promises that come with a life eternal. You get a grace that's never ending that's all sufficient you get this grace that covers all of your sins your past your present and your future it's a big grace because when God steps into the scene everything changes we sing about it when he steps in when his presence comes into this place everything changes so I'm going to pray over you right now and if you're one of those two people I'm just going to pray over you. And you say a prayer. You, you pray in your own way. And you say, God, here I am. Here I am. I give my life to you. Father, I pray right now over this church. I pray over this house. God, you see everything, you know everything, you understand everything. And so I pray right now, Jesus, for this grace to just flow in this place. God, we've we've been living and walking in this grace, but sometimes we forget about it. And we start getting outside of, uh, uh, out from underneath this umbrella of your grace. And we start trying to live life on our own. And we live life as if, as if this grace doesn't exist. God, but you've never left us. You've never forsaken us, God. You've never pulled back from us. You've never looked at us and said, man, I'm so disappointed. God, but you've been right beside us every step of the way, hovering over us and covering us with that love, with that grace. So God, I pray that you remind every person in this room right now that you've got them. And that as difficult as life seems at times, baby, it ain't over till it's over. Just like you told Elijah, I've got 7,000 reserved Israelites who haven't bowed their knees to Baal. So God, you always have a plan for victory. For those, Lord, who maybe not haven't accepted you as their Lord and personal Savior, I pray right now, Jesus, that we confess our sins, that we admit that we're sinners, that we admit, God, that we made mistakes. And we ask right now, Jesus, that you come into every life in this room. God, you said all we have to do is confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that you died on the cross for our sins. But you didn't stay dead, Father. You rose again. And so we accept that right now, Jesus. We accept that grace and that forgiveness. And we celebrate it right now. Come on, I said, we celebrate it right now. Come on, we celebrate it right now. Come on, put your hands together. We celebrate the fact that God gave us an amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout out a big amen.
1: amen. Amen. High five your neighbor as you're
0: seated this morning. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to The Exchange Church, you can go to our website at iamtheexchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.